Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hey, uh, man, it's just a nasty day. Rain, some some strong winds at times too, uh, and then more rain. So looks like you know looks like this will be out of here by early tomorrow at the latest, and uh, then it should dry out. Should have nice weather for Thanksgiving. So that's what we're hoping. And through on, and on through the weekend, looks like uh, pretty nice weather for the Iron Bowl on Saturday. Looking for highs in the mid 60s, and it's uh, of course it'll be. Uh, sun, be, sun will be going down well before the game's over, probably around halftime. And uh, then, then it's going to cool off pretty quickly. But, hey, that's, that's what you expect for November. So uh, that's a, a quick look at the weather. Hope everybody doing all right today. Welcome into the Tuesday Drive. Got the, uh, the regular crew. Dan's around somewhere. He actually came in a little early. Uh, I think he's wandered back to the uh, to the boss's office looking for some tickets or something like that. But he'll be in here momentarily. We have uh, Auburn basketball coming up tonight over on Wings 94.3. It's Auburn and Alabama A&M. As the Tigers back home after winning the tournament up in Brooklyn. And the final game uh, before Thanksgiving break, Auburn's going to get eight days. Um, after tonight, their next game is next Wednesday. So uh, an opportunity, and there should be some tickets available. And um, with students out, there will be an opportunity for folks that uh, just buy tickets anywhere to be able to move down into the jungle seating there at uh, courtside. So good opportunity there if you haven't seen Auburn basketball, haven't had a chance to see them thus far this year. So that's coming up tonight. We're obviously still taking your thoughts on the, uh, uh, you know, if you have you have any thoughts you didn't get across on that uh, debacle this past Saturday at Jordan-Hare, and then how does that affect, well, how can it not affect your thoughts about the Iron Bowl? I mean, because really up until last Saturday, uh, you, uh, the, I think the feeling among Auburn fans was, hey, we're getting better. Um, we've got a chance because there's – there's there's first of all, you think there's always a chance when the game's at Jordan-Hare, no matter, you know, no matter what. And, uh, I mean, y- you still have a glimmer of that. But, you know, Auburn was on a three-game winning streak. I mean, there were some numbers that were um, – that you really liked heading into last week. The fact that Nick Saban has never beaten an Auburn team – that came into the Iron Bowl on at least a four-game winning streak. And Auburn would have been on a four-game winning streak had they beaten New Mexico State last week. But now they haven't. Uh, now, now Auburn uh, is, is you know, trying to rebound from that. And, boy, you, you hope they can flush that and 
plunge it if necessary. Just get get that out of anything uh, and, and have a good week of practice. Now, today was going to be the day that Coach Freeze wanted and was talking about having being as physical a practice as, as he could hold. Now, you wonder about this because they'd have to do it inside today. I mean, they weren't able to get out and – um, and, and have that physical outdoor practice today. So if it was going to be physical, it was going to be indoors today. So, uh, um, so, so I wonder how that may have affected the, um, the preparation for the Iron Bowl. But um, that's, you know, lo- love to get your thoughts on how, how this past Saturday affected your thoughts on the Iron Bowl. Is there is there anyone there? Is there anyone out there listening that now feels like, oh yeah, Auburn's got a shot this Saturday? I guess you I guess you'd say, sure, they always have a shot because until they're played, you you have a chance of winning. But I don't know anybody that I've talked to that uh, that 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 is anywhere near the feeling that they had a week ago. I think a week ago there was optimism. Now there is just Please don't let it be too bad is what it seems the like. The only – I mean, I think the thing keeping you going as someone trying to be optimistic about this game would be remembering that Georgia and Ole Miss, I think especially Georgia, is 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 a, is a superpower on par with Alabama. And Auburn stayed with Georgia into the fourth quarter. Yeah, of, convince of that me that Georgia was as motivated then as Alabama will be Saturday. Well, I mean, I and think- that Auburn felt the way they did – Back when they were playing Georgia, that's that's fair. Although I think Georgia was plenty motivated to keep an undefeated streak, you know, reaching yeah, twenty, yeah, but I mean, straight but, games and a, you know, they, I mean, I don't think that. I mean, that's again, I I would think I understand if someone feels like Alabama has a huge advantage going into Saturday. They do, I, but so did Georgia, and and Auburn stayed with them into the fourth quarter. So did Ole Miss, a team that's only lost to Alabama and Georgia this year, and Auburn stayed with them in, into the fourth quarter. So there is, I mean, Auburn has shown the ability to stay punch for punch with some of the best teams in college football this year. They've also been blown out on the road against LSU. Yep. Uh, they also just lost a game by 21 at home to a Conference USA team. So I have no confidence. I have, sure. no, I have no confidence that Auburn's going to be able to stay close this Saturday. I just I, – I don't, I don't see a way right now. I think that staying – regardless of what had happened on Saturday – I think it would be different. It would be difficult. For I think this. Auburn's matchup against Alabama yep. is much worse than the matchups against uh, than Georgia, especially. How much of that is influenced by what you saw Saturday against New Mexico uh, State? A good, a good bit of it. But I think I, I don't. I mean, tell me where you feel. Would you feel, tell me where you think Auburn and and matches up? At all against Alabama, if, if, offensively, defensively, anywhere. If Auburn had blown New Mexico State out, I would think lo- I would think these... Auburn, I would think Auburn's confidence could help them, and the crowd could help them. But at, they'd still need Alabama to make tremendous. Alabama would have to that's, help tremendously. That's my point. A lot of what you're saying would be true regardless of what happened against New Mexico State on Saturday, right? When you're talking about matchups. And yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Alabama's secondary against Auburn's receivers or Alabama's pass rush against Auburn's offensive line. Yep. Like, like regardless of what we just saw. Auburn's lack of a pass yep. rush, where Alabama's yep. biggest weakness appears to be in pass blocking. 
And that's one of Auburn's that's that's not one of Auburn's strengths. Auburn's is its pass rush. Auburn's run defense against Alabama's Auburn's, rushing offense. Yep. Like th- there yep. are there are spots where no, I absolutely understand why you would say advantage Alabama and in some cases maybe overwhelming advantage Alabama. To a degree that it probably wasn't true against Georgia or Ole Miss. Right? Like I just I just wonder how can uh, can the players? I was just talking about this a couple minutes ago. Auburn's got to flush this thing this past week. It can't even be in their minds. But how can it not be? How can how can they not doubt themselves a little bit after this past week? I, I don't want to be uh, hysterical. You know, I don't want to get into the hyperbole category. I would say it's as important for Auburn to start fast. Oh, you're not kidding about that. On and Saturday. Alabama's gotten off to some slow starts and come back and rolled in the second half. But Auburn absolutely cannot find themselves down quickly. Yeah, or else it'll play out, the way, it'll play out the way you suspect it will and, and the way that I think people who yeah. don't take a, dim view, you know, take a dim view of this game uh, pro- probably think that, that it will. I, I would say if – if Auburn can start fast, well, okay, how about this? Regardless of what happened against New Mexico State, based on what we've seen when Auburn plays good teams this year, it was going to be tough for Auburn to play a four-quarter game against Alabama because Alabama's deeper and, Alabama, and, and Auburn has fallen off in the second half against good teams mm-hmm. because Auburn can't rely on their depth or couldn't earlier in the season rely on their depth when the game was close late. Right? They couldn't hang on. Even A&M right, was a close game late until uh, you know until things started to, to pile up for both teams and and A&M was better positioned to play a close game for four quarters than Auburn was like the teams with full rosters have had an advantage the later the game goes against Auburn and Alabama has one of the fuller rosters in all of college football that team does they, not they do and let me ask you this here's the other thing we haven't really talked about is Auburn has changed. Auburn is not playing the kind of football the uh, strategically the way they did against Georgia and Ole Miss. And Hugh Freeze has said, "We're gonna we're gonna be what we what we do. We're gonna do what we do." Auburn attempting to do that with the lack of success that they had against a far inferior team has me more concerned about trying to do that against Alabama. Yeah, well, when you didn't feel good about third and six or longer against New Mexico State, the thought that yeah. you're going to advance the ball with time-consuming drives and by repeatedly getting third and fourth downs against the Alabama defense. So does Auburn go back to that? Do they try to go back to the milk the clock, let's be slow and patient? Or do they, or do they want to, if they get a first down, let's go ahead and up-tempo things? I think at least in the first half, I think it's it's about scoring as many points as you can, because however it, they can. Yeah, you're in, absolutely in, right in, about that. In the second half, maybe you start thinking more about the clock and how many snaps your defense has played, and and what you need to do and the score. Like I think that plays into it. But I would I would suspect early on, for the reasons we've talked about, it's it's do what I mean. All hands on deck. They better do what they can as best they can, and it better work. Did, did Hugh Freeze for them to have a did, chance? Did he? Because I, I <clears throat> probably need to go back and watch both of Ole Miss's victories over Alabama when Hugh Freeze was Ole oh, Miss's they were, coach. They were attacking, but they they were attacking. They were attacking. And, and they were beating them over the top. And weren't and they? See, that's the thing. 
Auburn, I don't know. Auburn doesn't have the receivers to beat them over the top. W- weren't they also – no, I'm not, I don't know if Hugh Freeze can go to the Ole Miss playbook to try to beat this Alabama team because I don't think he has the kind of players on, at skill no, positions that he, that he did uh, when, he was, when he was the Ole Miss coach. Or, you know, guys, guys who were projected to be NFL players the way he who, did. Who became NFL players. And are still, yes. and are still in many yes. cases, NFL players. Uh, but I would also did, – did uh, and I'm thinking of Gus in this as well – did Hugh Freeze break out uh, plays and formations you had not seen all season when it came time to win a big game like the Alabama game or the Egg Bowl? Is that is that something? I don't remember an awful lot of that. It's just they they kept taking shots and were able to were able to well, cash in. Well, Bill, I would say smoke them if you got them right. If you got yeah. something, if you got well, if something, you got something. No reason to save it now. Yeah, I mean, you could save it for the Texas Bowl, right? You could save it for Oklahoma State in Houston. But I would suspect uh, if, if you got something you feel like will work offensively, uh, you know, even for a play or even for a series, uh, give it a shot this uh, this Saturday because it is. Yeah, I, I think the longer, ooh, a slow start offensively for Auburn, Bill. Like the longer, like if you're if you're looking up, knowing nothing else about the game, oh. knowing nothing else about the game. If I tell you Auburn starts with three punts and a turnover. Then I'd say that it's going to be very difficult for there to be a large Auburn contention there late in the ball game. Yeah, all you need to know, knowing nothing yeah. about how Alabama is playing offensively. No, no I, 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 don't, you, I, I, don't, I don't see that being a scoreless, you know, a scoreless battle uh, that, uh, that, that Alabama's liable to not cash in if Auburn goes three punts and a turnover in their first four possessions. Best case, best case scenario, 10 nothing. Probably, if you're if you're Probably. talking three punts and a turnover there, and 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 the deeper I, I would say, the deeper the game goes, the more the advantage skews Alabama because of their depth, right? So like if you're if it's ten nothing Alabama early, you figure Alabama's a team that's going to come on strong in a close game. At they the they have that they have that uh, uh, feature that that characteristic this year you, you remember and and you remember how I mean that's how the Georgia game played out yep. right Auburn started fast you had the Peyton Thorne run on the second series mm-hmm. that sort of got things going for the Auburn offense and a game we talked about that week was the 9 Iron Bowl remember which also you know which was another game where you had maybe the best team in college football playing against a first-year coach mm-hmm. in, in Gene Chizik and Gus Malzahn and it was imperative for Auburn to start that game Fast and they did. Yeah, they did. It was just a it was just a matter of Alabama of Alabama and that game being able to execute in the See, fourth I guess I guess I guess my point is that's sort of my best case scenario now. Is that it can be like an 09 game where you can hang with them and then and then not lose too badly. That's that's awful when a week ago the best case scenario was you can beat them. I, I, I do not see that scenario. Now it doesn't mean it can't happen. We've seen unbelievable things happen. In this ball game, I think the way, especially here, as crazy as it sounds, the way Auburn wins this game is by getting a big lead early and hanging on. Because I don't think in the like I don't think you're coming back down ten against Alabama in the fourth quarter with the way these Probably rosters not. shake. Like no. you, you need to be up, you need to be up twenty one or twenty eight and hang on because you've built a big enough lead that Alabama can't come back in the second half. That's the way. So when I say it's imperative that Auburn start fast, it, it's because I I really think. Again, the longer the game goes, the more apparent Alabama's advantage will probably be. And if you can build a big enough lead early to survive that, you can win this game. But that's probably how you're going to need to do it. We'll get to our first break. Uh, we should be hearing, uh, I, I, 
I, I don't know if he was calling us or we're calling, but Andy, uh, Andy Burcham, voice of the Tigers, going to be joining us by phone because he's uh, getting set for the broadcast tonight over at Auburn Arena for Alabama A&M. So uh, we'll check in with Andy here when we come back here on the Tuesday Drive. Whether you're a senior golfer or pro athlete, high school football. Back on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, uh... A nasty day, just a lot of rain. Uh, hopefully, everybody's okay. I mean, we had some wind, but no storms or anything like that. It looks like it's going to be gone here before long. So, welcome in. Got, uh, as I mentioned, Auburn basketball tonight. Auburn and uh, Alabama A&M, a 7 o'clock tip over at Auburn Arena. And uh, like I said, opportunities for folks. If you get in, you can move down while there's room. You can move down and sit there in the uh, jungle seating courtside. So, I mean, that, that could be a, a cool opportunity if you, yeah. had, if you haven't ever sat down there. But what's, the, what's the thinking? Is, is that sort of fan service to play a home game um, when, when the students are gone and the university is, is observing Thanksgiving break? Is, is it sort of – Yeah, over Thanksgiving or Christmas when there are things like that. It's like yeah. fill it in because it's, it's, it adds to your home court advantage to have people down there courtside. I mean, it's it, – uh, it, it's not much of a home court advantage if the uh, if the visiting team looks up and there's nobody there on the other side like, like at the I, lower level. I would think that it's not it's a great opportunity to play a road game somewhere because your students aren't there. Well, Auburn's, Auburn's only played one home game so far. Auburn has only played one home game. <laughs> Fewest right. of any team in the SEC right, right. now. Well, and that's when you start a season on a neutral site. And that'll change because some SEC teams are playing in neutral site tournaments right now. Right. Auburn's, got a, Auburn's got a home game tonight, but... For the, uh, yeah, I understand why you sort of use November, and especially the parts of November when the students aren't around, to take the show on the road if you can. Auburn using that opportunity to play a home game against uh, an in-state uh, opponent mm-hmm. tonight, against uh, a team that gets uh, an opportunity to, uh, to play uh, an SC. I mean, I mean, we're tired of breaking down the analysis of, yeah, you know, this, this is what you got to worry about when a small school comes to play against an SEC team. It but. happens more in basketball, although they don't generally win by 20. I mean, no. you'll see some upsets, and that's what that's what oh, we no, were just talking earlier about. this week. We saw in in basketball, we saw a uh, was it UNC Wilmington who went to Arkansas and won. It was one of the UNC direction. It was one of the UNC cities. Uh, Missouri. Who was it to beat? Uh, was it was it uh, uh, Jack State to beat Missouri or Jackson State? Jackson State beat Missouri. Yeah, we've had, we've had some. I mean, some some SEC teams lose to, uh, to you know in, in games where you would think uh, the SEC has. A, uh, a significant advantage. I want to get that that right over the weekend because Jackson State did beat Missouri mm-hmm. on Sunday, and uh, you had on Saturday, or maybe it was Friday. It was Friday. It was that loaded uh, lo- that loaded Friday. UNC Greensboro went to Fayetteville and beat Arkansas in a game where uh, Arkansas was. Uh, I mean, Arkansas was down fourteen at the half. I mean, it was uh, you know sort of a shock. And and again, the damage of a slow start is that even even in a game like Arkansas UNC. Uh, Greensboro, where 100 out of 100 people would look at the rosters and tell you Arkansas has the advantage. If you dig a big enough hole early, even if you play a lot better than the opponent in the final quarter and a half of the game, it might not be enough. Well, and a lot of times you'll see teams expend so much effort 
fighting all the way back. They'll tie it, and then they'll just be gassed, and they'll lose. But it's more it, – it happens more frequently in basketball. There are a couple of reasons for that. Basketball season, there's a lot more games than football. And basketball has fewer players. You can have one player that it just gets white hot that can carry – a basketball team, it's easier for that to happen in basketball than in football. Or a key player or two gets cold for the yeah. favorite, and, and it can lead to a, a situation where they can lose to a, to a, a vastly inferior on-paper uh, team. And so, yeah, I think Auburn, uh, I imagine Bruce Pearl will have his team on alert uh, tonight. Bruce Pearl also, like the football team, Bruce Pearl also has players who started their career or have played at the mid-major mm-hmm. level at some point in their career, and I would imagine those guys understand uh, more than more than most, what it's like to be in the shoes of Alabama A and M coming to a major conference team's home court as a big underdog and and trying to get a season defining win. You know, Denver Jones was at FIU, and um, who, who on this team has mid major experience? Let me think about that. Denver, Chad Baker, Mazzara was Chad at, Baker, yeah, was at Marquette and San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have um, Janai Broom. Who came came to Auburn from Moorhead? Uh, is that it? Is it just? The, I believe that's maybe, it. Maybe that's just of the guys. Yeah, you know, because uh, Cheney came from UAH, which you know, which also he he did have the he did have the. I mean, as playing in the exhibition against Auburn, he understands yep. what it's like to try to. Yeah, I, I was just thinking. I wonder if the Alabama and some Alabama A and M players are thinking, man, if I have a great game, I, I might have a chance of playing there. Oh, I I imagine that is now more than ever before. It used to be. For NBA scouts, you would talk about yeah. things like that where the, the, the mid-major team is coming in and, and this is a great opportunity to have some professional video and some, uh, you know, some, some film that you can show uh, scouts of you competing against uh, the highest possible competition at your level. Uh, but now, uh, every year, you can reopen your recruitment in college. And so, yeah, I think that for Alabama A&M players, they might be – I mean – it's crazy to think are they auditioning uh, for uh, Bruce Pearl, but but I guess that's uh, that that's that's one possibility or one mindset is that some of these guys could be using uh, their performance tonight uh, in the transfer portal uh, after the season to go uh, to, to go try to, uh, to to go somewhere else. Yeah, so I mean that that's something to keep in mind. It was interesting when uh, when Bruce was talking about A and M yesterday. They play more players than Auburn. He said they play twelve players. Double-digit minutes a game. Yeah, one of the few rotations I think Auburn will see this year that is that is uh, deeper uh, than than Auburn's as far as how many players go into a game expecting, um, you know, ex- expecting ten minutes, 10, 15 minutes a game. Like it's uh, it, it's rare in men's college basketball to have ten guys uh, in the, in that number, and and I, I can't imagine how many places are are actually approaching. 11 or 12 so yeah this is going to be a, a different challenge and I don't think that's going to stop Auburn from trying to use their speed and their depth oh no no that's not at because all. that's the game plan in, in every game uh, but this might be an Alabama A&M team that uh, at, at least can throw I mean they're if they have to go to their bench they're not going to be as uh, they're not going to be as caught off guard uh, by something like that as some of the other teams Auburn plays that they want to keep their starters in for, a, for a, a big chunk of the game. I thought it was interesting. Did you hear Bruce talking about uh, playing? The, I mean, I mentioned one of the things he said when he said he didn't want to hear any more about the poor teams that only play seven or something like that. But he said playing 10, and I guess this could apply to Alabama A&M as well. He said playing 10 doesn't always necessarily mean you have the advantage. He goes, maybe, maybe that just means that 
your second five, yeah, you're, there's not a big drop-off when you go to your second five. Maybe your first five, though, isn't the best first five you're going to find. It would. Um, have you seen a number uh, for tonight's game? Uh, no, I would expect Auburn to be around uh, 20. It is. Um, well, Alabama A&M comes in 0-2. Uh, oh, they, then, I, then, it might, then I would expect it to be more. They lost uh, by 16 to North Alabama. They lost by 25 to Lipscomb. They gave up 106 points in the Lipscomb game. I'd say closer to 30 then. Is 33 and a half okay. is the number that I saw for uh, tonight's game. Auburn, a, a, a considerable favorite at home, as expected, against Alabama A&M. 334-321-1390. That is the drive hotline presented by Skybar. And let's get to it. And John is up first. Hey, John. Hey, John. Hey, good afternoon. I was uh, going to see if you wanted to try to broker a couple more tickets for me. Uh, I'm in Prattville and uh, don't know if I'm going to be able to make it to the game tonight. So if there's anybody out there looking for a couple of uh, free tickets to the game tonight, I'd be happy to let them have them. All right. Uh, you know, we... I, I hate to jump in. I think I know someone who, who contacted us earlier today looking for tickets, John. So I might be able to... Uh... I might, I might, I might be able to uh, to, to broker unless unless you want to go to the phones, Bill. But I, I no, no, no. What we'll do is I was just going to say we'll get uh, Drew to get your info and we'll we'll uh, have them get in touch with you. That sounds good. And the uh, the point I was going to try to make the other day before I had to yell at my dog, <laughs> Artie, uh, talking about playing uh, the the players playing getting paid to play now. Uh-huh. It seems I mean when you're getting paid, it's like a job. And sometimes we all have jobs where you mail it in as like, you know, you come dragging in, where as opposed to, you know, when you were a scholarship athlete, it was a privilege to play, play for the university and to get a free education out of it. So I just think it's a, a different mindset now. Uh, may not be with everybody, but uh, it just kind of feels that way sometimes. See, and I, and I wonder, I mean, NIL has certainly influenced recruiting, but I wonder if the free, the free movement and the transfer portal and players being able to – leave at earliest convenience or when they want to uh, to, to go somewhere else or and, and I'm not necessarily against it but I could see how it could it could change the environment from one in which players have more ownership within the program because they've been there for years and years and they've 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 built themselves into the traditions and the culture and all that sentimental stuff people talk about with college athletics um, like I, I could see where an environment where a kid is, you know, playing at his third school in four years or his, you know, fourth college football program. Like I could see where that uh, so, something gets lost when, uh, when and I think Bill, you use the sort of the adjective mercenary to mm -hmm. describe it. Uh, yeah, like that. That is, you know, I, I could see where if, if that's what it be, if that becomes the norm. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't think we'll ever see any any more uh, Randy Campbells or uh, you know the Rudy story anymore in college athletics. I mean, not I mean, not Auburn's, as likely at at this level. No, Auburn's got some guys playing year year six, right? I mean, year five, year six with the well, the class. Are there any class of eighteen, class of nineteen players on the team? I, I believe yes. with with uh, with with Cam Stutz and sort of that class. But no, I, I think that you'll you'll see fifth or sixth year guys starting at the school they signed with out of high school could become increasingly rare. It's like mm -hmm. it's like players playing a fifteen or seventeen year career in the pros with one team, you know, isn't isn't nearly as commonplace as it used to be. Yeah. All right. Well I appreciate your time and like I said if you want to get my uh information I'll like I said, I'll be happy to get those. Yeah, hang hang on. Drew will get it here as we uh, as we head to break and we will head to that bottom of the hour break and Andy Bertram joins us on the other side. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive.
Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here in the studio. And we're now joined by the voice of the Auburn Tigers, and that's Andy Burcham here on the Tuesday Drive. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, sitting at uh, Beardy's Coliseum. Beardy's Coliseum. I'm showing my age there. <laughs> then you're in the wrong place, Andy. Well, you're not far, well, though. I said how mummy. That's where my office is. I said how mummy was New Mexico. I said how mummy was New Mexico State's coach last week, and <laughs> uh, Andy. So I think we're yeah we're we're both, uh, both stuck stuck in 2007. Living in the past. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. There's there's one you can hear on Wings 94.3, where the ball there game will be tonight. 6:30 6:30 tip. Uh, excuse me. 6:30 pregame. 7 o'clock tip against an Alabama A&M team uh, that coming in that, that Bruce said yesterday plays more players than he does. Yeah, 13 to 15 players, which is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I don't have enough room for all the people on their roster, so I'll be using a, a flip card of theirs as well uh, for, for this one tonight. Uh, but they're a team that at least from a depth standpoint will use more players than Auburn. Auburn will go 10-11 deep tonight, and uh, this – Alabama A&M squad looking for its first win will go 13 to 15 deep tonight, which I, I can't remember the last time we saw a team that regularly uses up to 13, maybe, and then two more walk-ons in a ball game, Bill. Wow. That, Dan. Yeah, that, that, that is, uh, that is crazy. Really interesting. Hey, Auburn, you know, hoping to make it a happy Thanksgiving coming back after picking up the attorney title up in Brooklyn. Very impressively. I thought those two games up there. Thought Auburn's the, the second half against Notre Dame and the first half against St. Bonaventure are the best halves of basketball we've seen from this season, this team in this very young season. That that second half, Auburn just ran away mm-hmm. from from Notre Dame. And in the first half, the last three to four minutes, where Auburn took a game that was hovering around ten point different and was up twenty points, uh, was just remarkable. Just remarkable to watch that team play. It, it, it cooled off a little bit in the second half, but still won handily against a good St. Bonaventure team. And I thought just pulled away from a, a, a young but a talented Notre Dame team. And, you know, you, you do that on a big stage like the Barclay Center in Brooklyn. You do it on a national TV stage. Uh, that, that's, that's two really good early season wins for this team. What have you seen out of the point guard position? Uh, because that, that seems to be something when I, when I look at this team, you know, especially the Notre Dame game. You know, I, I just, I mean, if, if, they, if they play like that, you know, both of Auburn's point guards, Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson, I mean, it, it's, Auburn has a chance to beat just about everyone on the schedule. Well, I agree with you, Dan. And what impressed me that night was Aiden got the start, his first start as a collegiate player. And Trey came off the bench and was every bit as good as Aiden was. And Aiden was pretty darn good in that start. And they, they give you different, uh, they give you different traits. Trey is more of a driver. Trey is more of a get out and go in the fast break. Aiden is a better threat from the perimeter, but both run the show really well. And, you know, Auburn right now is averaging 20 assists per game. 20 assists per game out of his point. Now, listen, I know it's very, very early 
in this season. But but if Auburn gets that kind of production out of the combination of Trey and Aiden, no matter which one of those two guys starts, I like their chances against anybody on this on this schedule. Now they have to play well, and they have done that so far. Well, well, one of the things that Bruce talked about was how how well the entire team has passed the ball. Auburn seems to be making that extra pass. I believe the other night it was 21 assists on 31 made field goals, which is phenomenal. Uh, and it, and so it's it's not just the point guards; it's everybody. Right. I really thought Andy the other night that uh, that was the best we've seen Denver Jones. Obviously, he he didn't look himself in the opening game against Notre Dame, and then KD. Is, uh, is 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 really playing well here early on. Auburn Auburn's got a very good situation there at the two as well as at the point. I agree, Bill. I I, I love this team's depth, and it, it's different aspects when each guy comes into the game. Obviously, Denver is a, a fine outside shooter. KD brings incredible energy at both ends of the floor, and is fearless, almost to a fault at times. Is fearless for Auburn. And then you, you start to go inside, and, and you know, Jaden Williams has played the three, the four, and the five. Remember that the COVID year, he played a ton of five mm-hmm. for Auburn. And he had to do that, I thought, at the end of the first half against St. Bonaventure when both Dylan and, and Janai were in some foul trouble. We saw a lot of, of, of Jalen there. And then look at what Dylan Cardwell does against St. Bonaventure. I mean, free throw shooting has been a struggle. For, for Dylan Cardwell, and he goes six for six and played some really important minutes for Auburn down the stretch, even with some foul trouble, but stayed, you know, stayed on the floor for Auburn. And then you've got, you know, Chad Mazzara, Chad Baker Mazzara, who is, I think, a bigger version of Katie Johnson from an energy mm-hmm. standpoint, really can be a disruptor. And, you know, and, and I think Chaney Johnson is starting to find his rhythm. And even though the offense hasn't been there, he's been there on the boards. Robert, and then there's Leor Berman that'll come off the bench and will just kill you with a three. So I really like the way this team is playing right now. I mean, the, the schedule will, will pick up again uh, after tonight with Virginia Tech in town next week with the ACC Big Twelve or the ACC SEC Challenge, and then you've got Indiana and Atlanta coming up. USC comes to town. You go to Appalachian State, which will be a very tough game for this Auburn team. Uh, you go to a sold-out Von Braun Center. It's already a sellout in Huntsville a little bit later on to play uh, UNC Asheville as well. And then you get Chattanooga. And then that 10 team that last week beat Villanova still comes into town. And that's all before you start the Southeastern Conference. So uh, I like the way Auburn's playing, but they need to play well because the schedule will test them, that's for sure. Have, have you ever been to Boone uh, before, Andy? No, never been. That's I'm looking forward to this. I, there was I, talk that they were going to make this trip last year Mm-hmm. And something fell through. So when I saw it on the schedule this year, I wasn't totally surprised. And, and Bruce Pearl, you know, came to Tennessee out of a mid-major. And he still has allegiance to those guys in the mid-major. That's why we're going to Appalachian State. I've made that trip a couple of times with the Trojans. They're in the conference. And I can tell you, Bella's, uh, Bella's and Boone, the Italian restaurant, is maybe, okay, good. maybe the best meal I've had in the Sun Belt. Uh, traveling with Troy the last couple of years in an Italian little hole in the wall in uh, in, in in Boone, North Carolina, named Bella's. So I would say I, I will need I, I will need that information. Fi- yeah, fi- I was, I was going to. I was going to say, Andy, I could I could uh, I could put you in touch. My my sister lives 
uh, there okay. in Black Mountain, and and both and both of her uh, both of her kids went to App State. She was she was okay. one of the original Tiger Paws here at Auburn. Is oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, it's like yeah. So they're planning on planning on heading to the game. Boone is like Lake Martin, where when you're driving there, every billboard is for real estate. Like you can tell that this thing is, you know, this thing has grown exponentially. Because, oh yeah. I mean, every billboard is advertising, uh, you know, how, how to uh, how to get some land there. So yeah, enjoy, enjoy that among the other trips. But uh, but yeah, Bella's would be the the recommendation. All I right, for good. I, I I love that. Thank you. All right, we got a whole segment in. It's Iron Bowl week, and we yeah. have not mentioned oh. football. Yeah, we're 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 going to talk some football. Uh, when we come back, Vandy can stick with us. You can you stick with Absolutely. us here for the uh, yeah. one more segment. I- I can stick with you till the top of the hour. All right, we will do that. We'll talk football when we come back. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Chandler here from ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive, 12 minutes away from 5 o'clock here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here in the studio, and we're joined on the drive hotline by the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. And we talked a little basketball. Yeah, there's a, uh, uh, there's, there's a football game coming up this Saturday after, after Turkey Day on Thursday. Always is, is it there? <laughs> yeah, and uh, this one, uh, it, it, it's crazy, Andy. I mean, the... The difference in I think the the, uh, the the feelings that Auburn fans had about this ball game has changed so much yeah. just because of this past Saturday that uh, never saw that one coming um, loss and and the way it wasn't just the loss it's uh, the the way that Auburn lost to New Mexico State. I walked out of that stadium on Saturday and just not a lot made sense to me about the game Still other doesn't. than this yeah other than this New Mexico State came into town with a game plan and executed it almost to perfection um, what what happened on Saturday still doesn't make a lot of sense to me other than New Mexico State just played very very well and and stuck to its game plan and 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 it worked to, almost to perfection against Auburn but it's still I, I still shake my head I'm doing it right now as a matter of fact <laughs> um, as a result of that game. And, and part of it is because Auburn had played its best three games of the season going in. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't see that kind of game coming. And, and I, I, I knew that Auburn was in some trouble when it did not score on that first drive of the third quarter. Right. I really thought that had they done that, had Auburn done that, gotten the lead, and things kind of could return to normal, so to speak. And it just it just – it didn't happen. And, yeah, and then, of course, that comes on the eve now of the Iron Bowl. And Auburn will face, I think, the best team that it has faced this season to date in Alabama. And so I think Alabama's playing incredibly well. I think some folks wrote them off at the, at the start of the season when they lost that game to Texas and were struggling at the quarterback spot. They, they seem to have put things together at the right time. And, and as, as you know, Bill and Dan, I mean, they're, they're now playing not only for a conference championship in a week, they're playing for the playoffs right now. And I don't think a lot of folks thought they would be there after that loss to Texas, but hats off to Alabama. That's exactly the spot that they're in right now. And some of the most dangerous Alabama teams that Auburn has faced in the Iron Bowl are teams that were still alive in the hunt yeah. for the national championship 
when uh, I mean that's that's usually the case. Yeah, there aren't many they faced that it's, haven't been in the hunt. It's, it's been it's been rare for the Iron Bowl to be played uh, with with both teams out of the hunt uh, for the national championship, and Alabama has certainly done their part to uh, to stay relevant uh, throughout Nick Saban's uh, era. I, I I said earlier in the show, Andy, that it feels imperative for Auburn to get off to a fast start uh, because even in the close games that Auburn lost to Ole Miss and Georgia, you know, felt like in the fourth quarter. The, the depth of, of both teams is going to be kind of apparent and, and Auburn's not going to be able to uh, to stay. Uh, Alabama may be the deepest roster in all of college football. Uh, it, you know, I, I said earlier, the way, the way Auburn wins this game feels like they need to build a big lead early and hang on, which would, which would involve a fast start. Well, a fast start would certainly be beneficial. And in the three wins that Auburn had going into New Mexico State, that's exactly what Auburn did now. Mm-hmm. Auburn wasn't facing in Alabama when it faced Mississippi State and then on the road at Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Let's let's be let's be real. I mean that those aren't those aren't the top tier teams in the Southeastern Conference right now. But with with that said, I thought Auburn was playing its best football coming in. And part of that was the fact that it did get off to good starts in all three of those games, and it did not this past week against New Mexico State. Now, will that be the factor? This Saturday, I mean, unless you face a, a, a top-notch defense, as you always do against Alabama, and an offense that all of a sudden has become very, very potent, whether it's running the football or Jaden Milrow, who runs the ball very well, is throwing the football. So, you know, you've got to find a way to get off to a good start on Saturday. And you've got to find a way to, to unleash the running game that was never a factor last week other than the quarterback, Peyton Thorne, because out of the backfield, not a whole lot happened for Auburn last week against New Mexico State. So, I, I listen, I understand why, why Auburn folks are a little bit apprehensive going into this game on the heels of what happened last Saturday. Andy, I was thinking about this, and, uh, of course, it hit me after Coach Freeze's press conference yesterday, uh, not, not while he was talking that I could ask him this, but, you know, Auburn, you know, we, we, we've talked about the fact that that Auburn really hung in there very well and for a long time against Georgia and Ole Miss. But that was back when Auburn was trying to milk the clock and be more deliberate. And Hugh Freeze has talked about, hey, Auburn's got to do what, what they do best. Has, has there been any, uh, you know, any inkling, any thought perhaps of going back to what they did before? I'd be surprised by the way yeah, Coach Freeze too. has talked about you know, wanting to keep it up-tempo. Yeah, I've heard nothing of that sort. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not happening behind closed practice doors, so to speak. But mm-hmm. I've, I've heard nothing of that, of that. Auburn has played its best this season, offensively, and I think even defensively, when it has played that up-tempo style. I, that is Hugh Freeze's offense. That is Philip Montgomery's offense. When Auburn has played its best this year, that's the offense that Auburn has put on the floor and, or the field, and, and we have seen the defense – respond to it as well. So I, I would just be shocked if, if Auburn is scrapping that, even with Alabama coming into town. But Talk, that's just me. I'm just the playboy. Oh, no, player. no. I, well, I, I understand. I mean, the uh, um, looks like the weather's going to be great. I mean. Yeah. Oh, it's and, gonna be, I think it's going to be about 10 degrees cooler than it was last week. Yeah. It was a little. It, it was, was a, 70. Yeah, it, 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 was it was too warm for November last week. Yeah, it was 72 last week. It's expected to be about 62 with temperatures 
dropping into the low 50s, upper 40s. That's great. Um, That's perfect. for that game. Yeah, it's going to feel like Auburn-Alabama football weather, isn't it? It, it really is. Andy, I know we're, we're almost out of time, and it's Iron Bowl week, so I feel weird asking about anything else, but you did spend a lot of time as the voice of the Auburn women's basketball program. I got, yeah. to, I got to go to Knoxville this weekend and call a game. Troy uh, played Tennessee on Sunday. That's a really special place in, the, uh, in women's basketball. I got to tour the Hall of Fame. And, uh, and, and yeah, you're, you're, I mean, I, you, you got to call a couple of Auburn games against uh, Pat Summit. Auburn's record all time against Tennessee is not great, but nobody's is. You know, I want yeah. to point that one out. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really thought of you a lot on, on that trip because uh, that, that's, that's an important place in women's basketball history. It's a special place, and it was certainly special when, when Pat Summit was the coach and she was battling Joe Champy game in and game out up there. Auburn had a good record against Tennessee here over at Beardy's mm-hmm. Coliseum. But, boy, up there, it was really, Tough. really sad. Boy, there were some <laughs> heartbreakers up there to uh, to Tennessee. And they've done a nice job with that arena now as well. They've modernized it for the men and women's games. And, and they were the first ones, Dan, that I saw that really started to market women's basketball with all of, you know, the bells and the whistles. And their fans responded, obviously, with all those banners that hang there at Tennessee. It's, it's a great place to go. I would also encourage folks to go through that that Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. You can see Joe Champion who's enshrined there as well. Uh, absolutely, Andy. It's great talking to you. Have a great broadcast. Happy Thanksgiving to you and Jan. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. I will see you at the ballpark on Saturday. More Eagle. Unreliable network copiers, printers, and scanners. And waiting for... Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. <laughs> The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls. Love for you to join in. And you can do so by calling the Drive Hotline, presented by Skybar. That number is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Hour number two of the Drive, brought to you as usual by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika, on the web at orthoclinic.com. Dot com. Let's get to the drive hotline, and Jeremy gets us started. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. Yeah, hey, guys. I think we've su- sufficiently kicked, kicked the horse and burned the wagon and buried all the supplies. God, I hope. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, going, into, going into this weekend, like y'all were talking earlier. I remember we talked before the Georgia game about, like, we needed a couple of turnovers. We needed to get off to a good start. And we needed something on, like, you still probably needed something on special teams to happen. We got we got two out of the three. Um, I think it's the same formula Saturday. Um, nothing nothing about the formula changes. The question the question is who who does what? Like, 
Jeremy, I asked a question, I think it was before the Arkansas game, and Arkansas obviously having a much different season than Alabama, different kinds of players, but, but Arkansas was a team that wanted to run the ball even if you knew they were going to try to run the ball. That was how they had success under Sam Pittman earlier. KJ and Rocket Sanders had just beaten Florida by running for, for 200 yards between the two of them. And I, and I wondered before that game, you know, is Auburn good enough to stop an Arkansas team when Arkansas was signaling, like, can Arkansas run the ball against Auburn even when Auburn knows Arkansas is running the ball? And the answer to that question was no. Auburn was good enough to stop Arkansas's run game even, you know, you know no, ma- no matter what else Arkansas tried. Can Auburn run the ball on Auburn even when – On Alabama? When, yeah, okay. well, can Alabama run the ball on Auburn even when Auburn knows the run is coming? Like that, uh, look, that, that's they, the, yeah. If they line up and run the football, we're we're toast. Oh yes, They're, that that's not <laughs> like I yep. Alabama, Alabama. Alabama to me seems like a team that they they want to throw the football. They want to put the ball in their quarterback's hands and throw the ball. And then the safety the safety valve is he can he can tuck it and go. Yeah, um, you know what though? I mean, they don't throw it that many times a game. They throw it deep a lot, but they don't throw it that many times. I mean, Milrow doesn't throw the ball 30 times a game. He throws it much closer to 20. And they'd, okay. they'd rather, they would rather, well, I mean, I Nick, mean, was, Nick wants I mean, them to be more like the old Alabama teams. He'd rather run the ball 50 times and, and throw it 20. Here's, here's how Alabama scored 42 against LSU. All right. Milrow was 15 of 23 for 219 yards. On the ground, Milrow was 20 for 155 yep. with four touchdowns. Right. McClellan was 14 for 63. Roy Dell Williams was 6 for 60. Uh, Jam Miller came in and produced. I mean, Alabama was 46 for 288 on the ground against well, LSU that, in Tuscaloosa. You, you see that. You, you see the 20 carries for Milrow. How many of those are designed versus him? Like I said, it, Oh, it, yeah, it's, you're it's right. Like, He's, he, 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 he has the option. The yeah. Going to drop back and throw the ball more than they're going to line up and run it, but he pulls it and runs and makes play. Yes, and, yeah, and they don't mind that. Well, and and if you're worried mind. about and if you start playing Alabama like a team that's going to throw the ball, they'll hand it to the running back and he'll get eight yards, or 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 Milrow will keep it and and you know he'll on a designed run and get enough yardage to pay, make your defense pay that way. Auburn's best shot is to find whatever Auburn had in their pregame meal Saturday and, and sneak it into Jalen Milrose. Yeah, I heard, <laughs> I heard your airplane reference. Like, nobody, you don't want to yeah. eat the fish. Don't, yeah, don't well, eat the we, fish. i tell you what, we all, picked uh, the, we all picked the wrong week, Jeremy, right? Yeah. <laughs> you are right about that. There's not, a, there's not a can of glue left in Auburn. Um like, I was just curious. R.I.P. to that whole R.I.P. to that whole cast, by the way. God, just some some of the some of the some of the best ever, but the ones the ones that aren't with us are just uh yeah, some some classics there in airplane. From, from an Auburn point of view, who who's the guy that, that Mike can do something? Is it Asante? Is, is it is it is it Asante? Oh, de- is def- it, I, I think it's more likely McLeod, but he can't he cannot get pushed inside and lose contain. I mean, it's going to take – I think it's going to take another superhuman Marcus Harris game. This may to need close. to be 
Keldrick That's thought maybe need to have the Kel- you know that yeah. that I mean I, I think it's I think it's the, coming I, out game. It's at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean it's gonna. I, I mean if, if we're talking about Falk and Marcus Harris after the game, then maybe it was a close game that Auburn pulled off, right? I do I do think it's going to come down to us. Like if we're going to really slow them down, there's going to have to be some five and six man pressures that get home. Mm-hmm. And and you really because if you don't get home and you're rushing five or six, it it's a long night. And, and something something I said about the game, I asked Bill this question earlier in the show, and I think it was probably true of the Georgia game as well, where it's like if I told you knowing knowing nothing else about the game statistically. If I told you Auburn's first four drives offensively, three punts and a turnover. Yeah, I heard, like I heard y'all say that. It's all, it's I, 10, I can't come up with anything positive from no, that. No. 10 nothing, nothing's being optimistic. Yeah, man. you're not like, you're, you're, you're Look, that, that's basically the exact opposite way of the, the Brody Sack game went, where we kicked off to them and had them pinned deep, and we kept getting the ball on the 40-yard line. And it was twenty-one to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Um, let, let Alabama start a drive or two in Auburn territory in the first half, yeah. and, and see, oh, it, see what this it, game looks like. Yeah, it, see what the game looks like. That that stadium, and uh, I I am rarely somebody that that will bolt early, but I've got family in town. I may go enjoy the tailgate and watch the rest of it and, <laughs> and, with them. And like, Bama's and, and Bama's offense, Bama's offense has reached the category. I mean, watching them against LSU, it is, I mean for a defense. It is, I mean, take your pick. It's like pitching to Barry Bonds in 04, right? Like, it's like uh, trying to, to mix together explosive chemicals in the, right, in the right combination without, you know, without blowing everything up. It's like it's, trying to cut the wire and speed, right? Like, you have to be perfect. Oh, you do. Is Burton 100% for them? Like, that's, that's one thing that if maybe that guy's a little, a little banged up. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you're yeah. right. He he is he is their best. And and they had they had some guys step up without Burton playing well in the uh, in the LSU game. And you that's know what? Here, here's um, that's something. Where Bond and Bond and um, oh the other guy. I, I think it was Kendrick Law who, who had a couple of catches too. But but I mean yeah, it, it certainly helps when they have uh, the contrib- the, the contribution from Jermaine Burton this year. Yeah. But that's that's still right. that's a position where and we appreciate it, Jeremy. Great stuff. Like yeah. that that's a position where. You know, you feel like Alabama's always got somebody waiting in the wings, right, ready to step in and, and help the help out a wide receiver. You know what? What's crazy is I was I looked at Alabama's depth chart. Uh, I think Jason um, Jason Caldwell, who'll be on with us tomorrow, hey. um, you know, had a preview of the Alabama offense, and he was pointing out the numbers. How yes, early on Alabama wasn't throwing it that well, but how the numbers have really really jumped up over the last five games since that South Florida game when they auditioned the other guys and went, nope, it's uh, it's Milrow. <clears throat> They've thrown it much better. But one thing I noticed, you know how many Alabama products there are, how many state of Alabama products there are on the Alabama three deep on offense? Because they list three players at every position. I mean, there, there was a year a couple of years ago where they, they only signed like two or three in-state players. There right? are three players yeah. of the 30 players it's on really Alabama's changed. offense that are from the state of Alabama. And, and what's crazy. I mean, they're from all over the country. What, what's crazy about that, Bill, is that that is so different from the way it started when oh, Nick you're Saban not kidding. got there, right? When Nick Saban decided what we're going to do first and foremost is get. Now, he got there 
in a year where there was an unusual amount of Alabama talent in the top 100 overall. Oh yeah, right. And in, in that that 2000 led by Julio. Led, I mean led by Julio but, Jones. Yeah, yeah. Here here is their their offense. Let's see. Their left tackles from Des Moines, Iowa. Their left guards from New Haven, Connecticut. Their centers from Buford, Georgia. Their right guards from Houston, Texas, and their right tackles from Oak Creek, Wisconsin. There's their offensive line. Their tight end is from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Their quarterback, uh, Jalen Milrose from Katy, Texas. Uh, Jace McClellan's from uh, uh, Texas as well. Their receivers, uh, Jermaine Burton is from Calabasas, California. Malik Benson's from Lansing, Oregon. And Isaiah Bond is from Buford, Georgia. So they're two guys from the southeast on the Alabama starting offense. And they're both in the state of Georgia. How many are from California? Uh, two okay. or three maybe from more. California. Maybe, maybe more Californians. Yeah, but I mean, you've got Iowa, Wisconsin, Texas, Connecticut on the. Uh, and, I, and I think in general, that's, that's what that's what winning winning some national well, championships and and sending a lot of players to the NFL will do. Well, and, and also, I mean, in general, I think we're seeing that that the superpowers in college football are relying less on the immediate area to recruit, right? I mean, they're just the best. They're just yeah. taking the best players regardless of where they're from. I wonder how many kids from Michigan are on the are on the Michigan 3 deep, right, versus players yeah. from everywhere else. Probably more than uh, more than none. Maybe more than none, you're right, but I mean, it's still <laughs> like that that's uh, that's something that I yeah, think Yeah, the is, Alabama players on the Alabama 3 deep are, uh, let's see if I can... Uh, it's still crazy to think just that that, that small a number. Uh, Roydell Williams is, is on there. He's from Hueytown. No, there are only two. Roydell Williams and Kobe Prentice uh, are the only two Alabama natives on the Alabama three deep on offense. Wow. 334-321-1390. Jake Crane of Crane & Company will join us at the bottom of the hour. Love for you to join in here on the Tuesday Drive. We'll go ahead and get to our first break. Come on in as we continue with the Tuesday Drive. Life isn't made for joint. And Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 17 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Tuesday afternoon. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise? If you don't want to uh, <clears throat> get into Iron Bowl talk, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love, yeah, I'd love to hear from some from from some uh, confident Auburn folks, positive Auburn folks. Convince me how it's going to happen. I mean, we we're talking, uh, we we're talking with Jeremy, and we we're talking with Andy. I mean, Auburn's going to have they're going to have to play. They're best, and they're definitely going to have to have some help from Alabama. Oh, sure. I mean, the the upset to have a chance. The upset could happen in the way that when sure. you saw a you know a, that's why they play them a big yeah when when you saw a heavyweight boxer who's a big favorite or you know a, a, maybe you can get that one punch yeah in. maybe you get maybe you get the punch <laughs> in or, or or you know if you're you know you you, you throw the no hitter that day you know maybe you can make it happen and that's almost I mean Auburn has to approach it like I mean mm-hmm. you you cannot. Your margin of error is so slim. Your margin of error is so small, so microscopic, that you cannot bury yourself with mistakes, right? Like it's almost so, like the, the you know the every an interception hurts so much more against Alabama than it does against a team that you maybe are slightly closer to player for player, a, a fumble, a, a special teams miscue, like those things. 
you, you know, you just you just can't have them if you're going to keep this game close or build a lead and hope to hold on to it in the second half. All right, I asked Andy, and, and I mentioned it to you a while ago, because I had somebody that called today and said, you know, maybe the fact that, that there's no media viewing window, Auburn's going to completely change things. And I thought, you're not going to put in a new offense. Now, if they did – then maybe that would explain what happened last week. They've just done – they're doing something completely different. I don't think so, but I just wondered, and, and the, this, this person was asking me, do you think maybe Auburn goes back to what kept them close against Georgia? I, I don't think so, but, but, but maybe would you – what would you – let me ask you this, and I'll ask our listeners this. Would you rather – play it like that and try to keep it close or do you just say let's let's just go for it let's take shots every chance we get but that you might run the risk of getting blown out quicker that way see but but Auburn offensively was you know like Georgia was one of Auburn's better first halves right offensively of yes the but they like, were not up tempo they weren't up tempo um they they did sort of cut out the uh, you didn't see as much Ashford uh, in that game. That was one of the first games where I think they they really leaned on on Peyton Thorne for for the the majority of of the time. Um, I I don't, you know, I, I guess I I get back to I wouldn't worry about conditioning and uh, you know th- things like that in the first half as much as I would worry about not having points. Like, whatever you can do. And, and what I'm wondering, Bill, which is part of the reason I asked that question about Hugh Freeze's tendency to go to his bag of tricks and run gimmick plays or gadget plays, especially when the other team has a talent advantage. Uh, you know, I would wonder if maybe the closing of practice uh, has, has something to do with, uh, you know, m- maybe they're working on some things they haven't done very often this season from a, and again, I don't know, but like from a trick play standpoint, well, you wonder when, when. I mean, why why not a viewing window? What's the difference? I, I don't know if they're going to unless come there's out. some things that they really don't want anyone to see. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to come out totally different philosophically as an offense from what we've seen all season or anything like that. But maybe there are a couple plays that they have not tried this season that uh, that they that they uh, that they feel like they might need uh, when you know I, I'll if, say, if, if things don't go right. I, I'll know, say I'll say this if. Uh, you know, that, that was one of those games in the stretch where Auburn had not thrown for 100 yards. They had less than 100 yards passing yeah. this week. Unless they run for 350, it ain't going to work. It was, I mean, it was the fact they got to 20 points pretty early on, right? I mean, they got to 20 points within, was it by the third quarter? Uh, nah, actually, it was uh, tied at 17. It was, it was tied. Auburn tied it at 20 in the fourth. Okay. Um, it was ten nothing after one. Georgia tied at ten ten at the half. See, I don't know. Tied at seventeen going to the fourth. My, my concern about taking that approach is that I don't know if you're going to be able to hold Alabama. No, down I don't think the way, so. The way you held Georgia, I don't down. think so. That's back when Georgia didn't have a running yeah. game either. I mean, let, let's be clear though. You start a game against Georgia with three punts and an interception, and you're and you're probably you're probably in the same boat that we were talking about. Yeah, you're right. Uh, in in that uh, in, in that game against uh, that we think you're going to be in against Alabama if, if things don't go well early. 334-321-1390. That's the drive hotline presented by Skybar. And Greg is up next. Hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? All right. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Good to talk to y'all. Uh, I've been listening to whatnot. Uh, <laughs> trying not to jinx nothing. But, yeah, uh, like, that was rough one last week. I ain't going to kick your horse no more than these. You know, whatever. It's over with. But, uh 
it all boils down to this, fellas, and everybody just listening, if I pay attention, you got one blue chip. If you're going by the blue chip ratio, starting on offense. One, it was an actual four-star. And and who, who is that? Javarius Johnson, the wide receiver. All right. That's it. So, I mean, you, you might can make an argument for – you can make an argument for uh, – for the running back here, but you know, I, I was gonna say maybe Connor Lou. I'm not sure Var. I'm not sure Connor Var. Connor Lou was police star. Oh, okay. Connor Lou was police star. I'm not sure yeah. Var started on Saturday. I think it was. It was no, he not, didn't. He's just been working his way was, back. It was Cam. It was Camden, Malcolm, and and uh, Caleb Burton. Yeah. Caleb Burton may make the uh, the the blue chip ratio. I believe Caleb Burton was a top 100 player uh, coming out of high school. Well, you know, it all boils down to you ain't got talent. Whenever we needed to play against Georgia. We couldn't come up with a ball. You got a lot of guys from transfer portal. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you don't get up for a game like that. I don't know how you don't have somebody on the sideline saying, you know, you know, I, whatever. I'm just gonna say this: you, you gonna play Alabama. We needed, you know, you did. Nobody thought we was about to drop that game. You dropped that game right there, and you, you lost momentum, man. But uh. I know we recruiting. I know the coach is recruiting his butt off. You know what? He better be recruiting his butt off. Is all I got to say. Because we ain't got we ain't got the Jimmys and the Joes. We just ain't got them. We got a few guys, and uh, when it goes good, it goes good. When it don't, it don't. And they play to keep away from us. Uh, we couldn't. Our defense. I, I remember watching our defense side to side, and we looked slow. They can say what he wants about the receivers running the routes or whatever they want to do. I watched I watched running back Jock I, I watched Jock running right into the daggum line. Like I don't know if he's closing his eyes sometimes. I don't know. Kick it, bounce it, do something, son. But uh I I, I the linebackers we look slow. Defense look slow that that was the worst that, that was the worst game the defense has played this year. Well, you know, they played on the, they was on the dang field a lot. Yeah, and, but uh, they were on the field an awful lot cuz they couldn't get they couldn't get uh New Mexico stayed off. I mean, you know, it opened up the game with an 11-play, 75-yard drive. Well, I mean, I don't know what it is about Auburn and third and long on defense, and we it, somebody just comes up with a miraculous play every time. I don't understand it. Uh, but it, it, it just wasn't our day. They, they was looking ahead to this Alabama game. That, that's just what it was. And uh, the leadership wasn't there to say, you know, we're Auburn – Stop this crap right now. Let's get a get a jump together. Let's go out here and play some football. But it didn't happen, and I kept waiting on it to happen, waiting on it to happen, and it just didn't happen. I, you can see, uh, you, you see a quarterback throwing on the sideline. He, he, he was frustrated. Uh, I don't know. I, we got we ain't got the Jimmys and Joes, man. The last one, the last guy we had, he run about all the, all them off that it was, and whatever ones that did stick around, they graduated or went to the NFL. So. It is what it is. I mean, we, we expected a rebuild year. I'd have loved to got that seven win with a shot at an eight in a bowl game, but it is what it is. Uh, that was his uh, pass go, get out of jail, free car, whatever you want to call it. That was it right there. No, you're right. You're right. And uh, and, and, and here here's the thing, Greg. Uh, I mean, Auburn is, is in there with a lot of really, really good players. They stand in the the top 15 or so right now recruiting. I said this yesterday. I'll say it again. The pressure is really on Hugh Freeze now even more. All right, you don't beat Alabama, which nobody expects. You better go out and have that great 
recruiting class. If things just go, oh, well, sort of the same way we've seen and Auburn finishes up number 13 or 14 in recruiting and number seven or eight in the SEC, then people are going to go, what the crap were you doing? Right, you if know, you were, you know, if you, what, if you don't reel those guys in, and, and with the way patience, although Sam Pittman's getting another year, and maybe Napier can save himself, I don't know. But but the uh, uh, but with with uh, with the way things work in college football now, I just I think if if Hugh Freeze is in year two, talking about spots where he needs to add talent, um, you know, I, I I just think I mean, look, not not that everything's supposed to be Auburn will still need talent two. next year, regardless. They will. I mean, you're not, even if you bring in a great freshman class. They're not going to be able to step in there and compete against upper class. The, the longer his tenure goes, the the tougher it will be to cite a need to improve the roster right. talent wise. As as the I'm just re- saying, the reason the, things are going the way they are. Last week, cut a little of the slack that there was. Oh sure, and if next year goes poorly, people will point to New Mexico State yep. as, as where it started. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Who do we have up next? Hey Pat. Hey guys, I haven't talked to y'all in a while. No, but uh, but everything's good now. Um, I was gonna say, man, I paused so my voice kind of kind of went on me. But um, the Georgia game was because Georgia couldn't stop the quarterback keeper. If you remember, our, remember, uh, yeah, Peyton had that sixty something yard run. Yeah, and then and then uh, and then Robbie came in and ran his when he ran it in. So that's kind of what that was, and they had three turnovers. So I don't I don't think going slow was the reason why we. We stayed in Georgia. Plus, we got the ball first. I think this game we have to take the ball first. What I want to complain about is coaching. You you hit, you hit on several of them yesterday, Bill. Um, it, it, it was it's the not going, not understanding the fake. Well, my brother, you know, I, I said he said he said, man, if they if they go for this, we're, we're going to lose. And I said I said if they get it, I said if I was them, I'd go for it. Then they came out, and, and then and then they lined up as if they weren't they were going to kick it. But but in my mind that was the game. You you have to play, you know. Auto, you have to play defense on that play. You cannot. That that's the game. If if they, they the way the game was lining up, that was their game to take right there, and they took mm-hmm. it. Um, but also at the end of the half, so nobody's ever brought this up. But it was second and eighteen at the twenty three yard line with two minutes to go in the half, and we had two timeouts, and they had two timeouts. And we did not call our timeouts, so we could out, we could steal a possession. And you know what I was told? Now, this wasn't by Hugh Freeze, but I was told that, well, the feeling was uh, timeouts might help them score more. Well, if you're afraid of that, then then you're in big trouble. But you but you kicked off because you want to steal that extra possession. I, I understand. Were, I agree. Yeah, well, but they, they still had two timeouts. So even if they would have got the first down, they could have still stopped the clock. They were going to be able to run the clock out. Our best chance was to call timeout and make them kick the field goal and give us a chance. If it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But they could have ran the clock out either way. They, there was no way that, that we were ever going to get the ball back without taking timeout. They could have ran the clock down, got the first down, and still had 30 seconds and still had four plays. That, 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 was, that, that was terrible coaching right there. <laughs> then, and you freeze on, on and well, and Pat and on that point, you freeze had done pretty well. I thought time managing the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. You know, the, the middle eight as people talk about now. In, that, in other games, you in mean? O- in other games, it's almost season. like the game was just checked out by the, a lot of people. But no, you're right. I yeah, thought yeah. I thought Auburn, uh, especially as as the the lead grew to uh, to to. I mean, it was ten seven, and then the. Uh, it was it was ten seven in the moment we're talking about, mm-hmm. but but Auburn still you know you you thought 
maybe you try to steal a possession there at the end of the first half. Even if the offense had struggled, you, you try to steal one more possession and try, and try to get some points on the board. Yeah, well, well I mean, two more, two more quick ones. Okay, so third and 17, we're, we're, we're down by 10. They, they, they third and goal from the 17? Yeah. Yeah, why, you blitz everybody. Are you kidding me? You, you play prevent and let them get 10 yards, and then they, they would kick a field goal 100%. And that would no still way. leave you within two scores. That's right. Right, exactly. And then at the end of the game, okay, so now you, you score. You, I don't even mind the field goal. Okay, now, now it's five, five minutes to go. you got three timeouts, and you onside kick. It doesn't work. Okay, well, you've got to score twice, okay? The only way you're going to score twice is if you have four or five minutes. If you, if you don't call your timeouts in the beginning, you, that's your best mm-hmm. chance. Call your first timeout. So what if they get two, five yards? To get your defense on the side, rest them up, tell them we've got to get it right here. We've got to get it right here. You just let them just drive on down, and then, and then when two minutes to go, they get a first down on the three-yard line. At two minutes to go, the worst case, they're getting a field goal. Now you're down three scores. They're, the game is over. Why call your timeout then? <laughs> Hell, all you did was give them a free chance just to run it in. They would have knelt on it to show class. We would have lost twenty-four to ten. It's like you didn't—you didn't try to win the game with the possibility. You're going to run it all the way down to two minutes, and then then call your timeout uh, at, on first and goal at the three. I mean, give me a break. That's almost a guaranteed touchdown. So uh, to me, it, it, it was just coaching all day long. I mean, I. I just, I just didn't get it. I, I still no. don't get it, and that, that's what, that's what bothers me. I, I think the players, you know, they needed some help from coaching, and I think we just didn't give it to them. Um, but anyway, all right, guys. Well, hate to call back on on bad news, but I'm, we're going to the game, basketball game, so I'm pretty sure we'll have good news there. Oh yeah, I better. All right, pretty good all hearing right. from you, Pat. All right. all right, we need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Jake Crane joins us on the other side. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday evening. Bill and Dan here in the studio with Drew at the controls. We'll get back to the uh, drive hotline presented by Skybar. And it's uh, time for our weekly visit with Jake Crane from Crane & Company. Hey, Jake, happy Thanksgiving. Man, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Uh, appreciate y'all having me. Hope everybody is uh, excited about a big week of football and a big week of eating. Yeah, this, this week is always such an exciting time in college football, getting started with the Egg Bowl on Thursday. and then It's, it's tough, though, when you, when you enter the week with an upset stomach. Yeah, well, after, yeah. After Saturday. Yeah, we, we had, we, you know what, there was a turkey a little bit early. Uh, yeah, you're not kidding. Saturday at Jordanair Stadium, Jake. What do you got? Man, look, I, uh, you know, I think it's, it's always multiple things, right? I, I don't think it's ever just really one thing. When you look at a situation like this, uh, I think Auburn was very vanilla, right? On offensively, uh, even I, I thought defensively. Um, you know, they're obviously not going to empty the bag against New Mexico State, but they weren't able to push New Mexico State around like they thought they were. And I, I want to give credit to New Mexico State. I watched the whole game; they just beat us. Yeah, like that. They, they beat us from the start to the finish. They were a better team. You know, USA Today ranked them two spots ahead of Auburn. And, you know, a lot of people And last week that came on here and talked about it, you know, this is not like Alabama State. Like, this isn't, you know, and no disrespect to them, but it's the truth. Like, this is a team 
that could very well win nine games. This is a team that's coached by a guy that, that is very well respected and has really had Hugh Freeze's number. And regardless of who you play the next week, Auburn doesn't have enough talent to just go out there and and treat this one like they did, you know, some of the some of the easier games that they had out of conference. So it um there's no excuse for it. Uh, but I guarantee you this: uh, nobody is more upset than the people in that building. Nobody's more upset than the people that, that put in all the work to to make this thing go. And the beautiful silver lining is. If you're able to find some magic this weekend, all will be forgiven in an instant. Yeah, Jake, I, I made reference yesterday to another game this season where a group of five team was was in a so-called paycheck game, and they just tattooed a team that ended up being pretty good in conference play. South Alabama earlier this year, right? They went to they went to Stillwater and pounded Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State since then has turned into an eight and three team that might be a participant in the Big 12 championship game. I wonder, like, are these two uh, just coincidences, or, or could we start seeing a little bit more of a motivated group of five team uh, can walk in and give it to you, even if you're an SEC team or a Big 12 team that's played pretty well in league play or has the roster to play pretty well in league play when you have things going well? Um, look, I, I think a lot of it depends, you know, on, on who's playing in the game, who's beat up, who's injured. But, look, this is going to be the worst team that Auburn has, right, talent-wise. So you did catch Auburn in a year where they, where they have, what, one four, quote-unquote four-star that's starting on offense? Uh, I mean, that's Vanderbilt numbers, like, if we're, if we're going to be honest. Um, and, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to beat the players up, but if this is the most talented team that Hugh Friesen is going to have at Auburn, we're in trouble. It's obviously not going to be. Just look at recruiting. So I think it depends. Obviously, you have some group of five teams out there uh, that, that, that are really good, and I think the transfer portals helped kind of raise everybody's floor, right? Um, now, a lot of what Oklahoma State did, it, it still kind of confuses me because it took them three games to realize that, that Ollie Gordon was really good at running the ball. I, I don't know how that happens when you practice as much as these guys do, but that's a story. Somebody was holding out on somebody. Um, but, but, look, you're going to see upsets every year. Uh, that's how it happens. But, but I don't think you're going to see it, like, consistently to the same team. I think it's going to bite uh, a different team each year. That's about how it's went. But I just I do want to make sure that, that people hear the name New Mexico State and they're like, oh, they're terrible. Do not forget, this is a pretty good New Mexico State team uh, that, that came into Auburn. This was not some – one in nine FCS team are some team that just had no chance of competing. This team had players that were pretty much almost as good as Auburn. Like, if we're going to be honest, uh, watch Jack State play them much closer than Auburn did this week. Yeah, look, I tell you what, Jacksonville State and what Rich Rod's doing, uh, Auburn's bigger than they are, right? But I'm just guys. I'm telling you, especially you know, offensively, and there's spots where Auburn has guys that they're going to play in the league and stuff like that. But as far as having the talent to be able to go out there and just give a, a quality group of five team peanut butter and jelly for four quarters, you just got to be a lot better than them to do that. Yeah. And Auburn's not, and I thought they played pretty well too. But, look, there's no excuse for it. It's unacceptable. I mean, I, I know people are obviously really upset, and they should be upset, but I guarantee you that this, this will not happen again under Hugh Freeze and Auburn. Well, that, that, that's something Auburn fans would sure like, sure like to know. Um, I, one of the things that Hugh said yesterday, um, Jake, and, and I was sort of wondering about this 
um, yesterday on the air is these days with players so transitory, I mean, with, with players moving as much as you can, uh, I had the feeling that, that uh, Coach Breeze was talking about it's tough to have that bonding of the players because so many of them are just uh, here for a year and you don't know where they're going to be next year. Well, you know, that's the hard, that's the hardest part. You know, everybody wants to, their team to go out and grab just the best players from each team, even if they only got one year left to come into play. Football is way different than basketball. Not, not that basketball is easy, but you can kind of get away with it more in basketball than you can in football, just kind of the way the sport's designed and the preparation's designed. What he's referring to is it's really hard to build team culture when guys know they're not going to be here for a while or – if it doesn't work out at any point, they can leave and go to another school basically without a penalty. It is hard because you have no continuity. How do you build culture? Continuity, right? Like you're having leaders that teach young guys how to lead. The young guys learn that way, and then they become the leaders, and it turns into the cycle. Well, when you're going out and just making mercenary moves, trying to, trying to, to fill in the gap, that, that makes it harder. That's why I always say you want to use the transfer portal to plug a couple holes in the boat. You don't want to build the whole boat out of the transfer portal, at least not in football. Yeah, or, or a, uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving. A cooking analogy would be everybody wants, everybody wants to buy it frozen, right? But they want it to taste fresh. Like everybody wants the stuff four or five years in, you know, the, the work, a lot of the hard work already done. Uh, you know, but you you need to invest in those guys. You know, especially especially at the most in demand positions. Jake, and we were saying this when Hugh Freeze got the job. It's going to come down to can Hugh Freeze land guys with NFL futures coming out of high school? Can he get can he get the kind of guys that that people can are, he get them and keep them and can yes. keep them? Sure, but but uh, but the first part because not there aren't enough of them in the portal, right? Like the guy the guys For that sure. we're really talking about here. You know, at the positions that the NFL values and the best teams in college football value, you, you better get those guys in the portal or you can be you better get those guys coming out of high school uh, or else you're going to be trying to, uh, you're going to be trying to, to fill your, your pantry with, uh, uh, with things that, that are, that are marked down for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, development takes time. I mean, and it's painful sometimes kind of like we're seeing, you know, right now trying to do it. The hardest part isn't living in the house. It's building the house. And when you're having to, to, in this term, just you started hearing this with the transfer portal, re-recruit, right? Re-recruit your own players. Now you're adding basically a whole other element. Why do you think so many of these teams have had to add so many people to the recruiting department and, and the recruiting personnel department uh, to help get tape and do stuff like that so they can focus on now having to recruit the high school kids and re-recruit their guys? So it's, it's added a huge wrench into into the you know coaching especially at a high level but just like in high school every player that's coming out is not a fantastic player every player that goes to the transfer portal isn't going to work out and and be the answer or the savior that you think that they're going to be so so a lot of it comes down to how they fit your culture and how they fit your team that's developing but look we live in a society where everybody wants everything now everybody wants success now right everybody that you don't want to have to go through the, the, the trials and tribulations of it. And that's what Auburn's having to go through right now. I mean, this, these things don't happen overnight. But when they do, it's a beautiful thing down the road. Saturday's game will play a role in answering this question, but I'd like your thoughts now, Jake. 
the transfer portal is going to be open in a couple of weeks. Um, Peyton Thorne has played most of the season at quarterback for Auburn. He has another year of eligibility. I think among the questions people were asking after the loss to New, Me- to New Mexico State, although it wasn't just on the quarterback. Yeah, the, the people that are just blaming Peyton Thorne, especially on the offense, yeah. uh, that, was, that was a terrible performance by the defense as well. But go ahead, Dan. No, the, yeah, the Auburn defense had multiple, you know, m- multiple opportunities to get New Mexico State off the field, and New Mexico State executed and won the play. Uh, but do you look at the quarterback position as a place where Auburn can go into the offseason looking to build around Peyton Thorne for 2024? Or do you think Auburn needs to be considering uh, the potential of shopping for a quote-unquote upgrade over Peyton Thorne in the transfer portal in December? Well, look, I mean, I, I think regardless of what happens against Alabama, if there's a player out in the portal that you think is better than Peyton Thorne at quarterback, you need to go get him. Uh, I don't think Peyton Thorne's done enough for me to sit here and be like, yep, he's definitely earned it. I definitely trust in him. Uh, You know, I hope he does. I mean, there's been spots where he's been good. There's been spots where he's been bad. But by no stretch of the imagination do I think he's earned the right uh, for Auburn not to go out there and and if somebody they think is better in the portal to go get him. Look, you're probably going to have guys move on at that position after. Uh, You're going to obviously sign guys at the quarterback position like Walker White that we've seen. Uh, so you got to look at the scholarship situation. What's what's Garner going to do? Does having be interesting. Does, does having Peyton Thorne coming back? Do you think that would hurt Auburn's ability? I don't think to it would re- help. Do you think it would hurt Auburn's ability to recruit in the portal because kids tend, you know, they, uh, players tend to choose. This hasn't been the case everywhere, but players in the portal, quarterbacks especially, tend to choose places where there's an open path to playing time. Yeah. Well, without a doubt, I mean, you know, look what happened with Caleb Williams and, and what went on in USC with all, all those wide receivers going out there. Too bad they couldn't play defense at all. But, yeah, it's just like kids in high school. that They want to go where the good quarterbacks are because they know who gets them the ball. They know who can, who can put them in the best position for them to have the most success. And if I'm a top-notch reporter, there's a, a report out today that Evan Stewart from Texas A&M uh, is going to enter the transfer mm-hmm. portal, and he's looking at Bama and Oregon and other places like that. I wouldn't look at Auburn with Peyton Thorne there. Why, why would I do that, right? So, so I can get three, four uh, targets, and maybe one or two of them are on point. I mean, you look at Auburn's passing numbers, they haven't been good. I mean, what has inspired you to put your future or risk the equity that you built up to have a chance to go out there and perform at a place like Auburn with a quarterback that's unproven? I, I mean, I just, again, I don't, I don't think he's a bad player. I have nothing personally against the guy. But if Auburn's trying to take that next step, and somebody hops, I would rather have Caden Salter, Salter from Liberty in a second, in a split second. Not that he's the best quarterback ever of all time, but I think, to be honest with you, I mean, he's, he's got a little more dog in him. I, I just, I don't see it for, I don't feel that from Peyton Thorne. There's times, right, where he's, you know, against Arkansas, he looked pretty good, but Arkansas is a bad football team, if we're going to be honest, from a, from a roster standpoint. I just, I don't know. And look, Alabama could change. You go beat Bama. Right? Things change a little bit. But up to this point, I haven't seen anything that makes me go, wow, Peyton Thorne, yeah, definitely. He's the guy for 2024. And, look, it's, it's, it's a business, man. Like, it's, it's not personal. It's just a business. I, I just don't know that uh, Caden Salter is going to bring in your, your, your top players either. Well, I mean, look, they're, they're undefeated right now. I think he fits this system really well. I think when you turn on the tape and watch what Caden Salter can do and what he has done, it gives you a little more excitement, you know, a lot. Yeah, a little more excitement. I'm just, 
No, yeah, I, I well, think the question point, was, so, well, here's what I would say. I, <laughs> I think that it may not be about landing the quarterback that helps you recruit receivers the best. It's about landing the quarterback no. that you think will put the best team on the field. And if they, I mean, hey, I hey, I'm all about, and I'm all about the same thing that Bruce Pearl says about his team. He's telling his team, I'm, I'm constantly trying to bring in players who are better than you guys. So you got to exactly prove that right. you've got to prove that you're good enough to keep playing. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you bring in, let, let's be honest, you bring in Cam Coleman, Perry Thompson, and Ryan Williams, and um, there's going to be a lot of problems that get solved very quickly on the outside. And uh, look, it's not just on Peyton Thorne. You've had guys that drop balls. I mean, there's opportunities against Georgia where balls were dropped. But I'm just, I'm just wondering right now when you look around. I know the portal is going to be crazy. There's going to be a lot of backups that are that are jumping in that people get excited about. A lot of it is what the market bears. So I mean, all this only makes sense if there's somebody out there that is that is worthy or, or better than Peyton Thorne. You don't want to go reach on a guy, right? Just to bring a guy in. Well, the perfect scenario is you bring a guy in you think's better, and it's a great competition that makes him and Peyton Thorne better. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's you know you got to put your team in the best position to win, and that's what Bruce Pearl does, and that's what Hugh Freeze is going to do. Could be a uh, quarter could be a quarterback in Las Cruces, New Mexico, who uses Saturday as uh, as as some evidence in the portal if he wants to change from Conference USA to uh, to another league because Pavia was outstanding. All right, Iron Bowl Saturday, Jake. What what are you what are you thinking? Look, man, you, you know this game, guys, as, as well as I do. Crazy things happen. Uh, I think this Auburn team is embarrassed from last weekend. Uh, nothing is more motivating to an 18- to 22-year-old, or, or really human beings in general, than being embarrassed and then getting a chance to bounce back. You know, you just hope in times that, of struggle like that you get a chance to redeem it, and you've got the ultimate chance this weekend. Again, you win this game on Saturday. New Mexico who? What? It's, it's all forgotten. It's, it's in the past, uh, and, and everybody's excited. You look at the momentum it could create in recruiting. I know the fans are going to show up. It's going to be crazy. It always is. We know what this rivalry means. I think Auburn hangs in there a long time. I really do. Uh, at the end of the day, I think this game is going to come down to a handful of plays, and it's not only can Auburn get to Jalen Milrow, it's can they get him down. But the most important mm-hmm. thing and where it starts for this Auburn defense is if you, you've got to stop the run and get them in predictable passing downs so Ron Roberts can use his exotic blitzes, show blitz, not blitz, not show blitz, blitz. This can't be a singular course meal. This has to be a buffet that you would throw at Jalen Monroe and then Auburn offensively. You're going to have to have guys punch way above their weight, right? You're not going to be able to just duck and cover and, and run and try and stay close, and, and maybe it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter the way that this bunch is playing the way that the game plan and play calls are tailored to Jalen Milrow. I think Auburn steps up and plays really well. I just think gravity is a real thing. And at the end of the day, the talent gap between Alabama's players and Auburn's players are as wide as it will ever be under Hugh Freeze, and it's pretty wide. Great stuff, as always, Jake. Uh, really appreciate you spending a little time with us, and uh, uh, happy, happy Thanksgiving to you. And happy we'll, Thanksgiving, uh, bud. We'll talk again next sure, week. guys. Yeah, you. Hopefully, we're talking about an Iron Bowl win. That that'd be great, wouldn't it? Wow, a little early Christmas present. No kidding. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody out there, man. Let's All right, take care, Jake Crane of Crane and Company. You can check him out at six thirty to eight o'clock every morning. You can check him out on on uh, on YouTube. We will uh, get to our final break. Back to wrap it up here on the Tuesday Drive. Tracy Lawrence.